Good afternoon, my fellow Americans. Welcome back to America First. I'm your host, JWR. We have a few things to talk about today, but before we get into that, we have a weekly segment of Today in History. Today in History, in 1836, Betsy Ross, American seamstress widely credited with making the first American flag, died at age 44, or sorry, age 84. <coughs> Which, back then, that's probably, probably a pretty good feat. Age to live to. I wonder what you'd think if she saw the flag now, how, how much it's grown. But, uh, yeah, that was definitely a sad day, for sure. Well, back to the present, on to the news. First, according to the CEO of Pfizer, getting a booster shot every four to five months is not a good scenario. During an interview on Saturday, Al- Albert Orlo that he hopes to administer an annual vaccine. Pharmaceutical and Biotechnology Corporation chief said it's easier to convince people to get a shot and it's easier for people to remember. (coughs) Sorry. He also revealed plans for a new vaccine to combat Omicron and future strains of the virus. We are looking to see if we can create a vaccine that covers Omicron and doesn't forget the other variants, he explained. And that could be a solution unless if something completely different comes out. Orla said Pfizer expects to have a vaccine ready to combat Omicron as soon as March. (coughs) We will keep you up to date on that one. Next. Police are searching for answers after a welfare check resulted in the discovery of six bodies in a Milwaukee home. On Sunday, authorities responded to calls from concerned neighbors. This led to officers finding four men and one woman dead from gunshot wounds. Upon their arrival, entry into the residence was made and five individuals were found deceased, announced Assistant Police Chief Paul Formolo of the Milwaukee Police Department. Four of the deceased were adult males and one is an adult female. Overnight, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> Overnight, the Milwaukee County Medical Examiner's Office confirmed a sixth homicide victim, a male, was recovered at the location. Assistant Chief Formolo said the deaths are all being treated as homicide, but law enforcement doesn't believe there is an active threat to, uh, to those in the area. At this time, the motive and information regarding any involved suspects is not known to us right now, as this is an ongoing investigation, as you can see, stated the police official. However, there is no information to suggest that there is a threat to the community. Milwaukee's local leaders have condemned the apparent attack as horrific, They also offered their condolences to the families and friends of the victims. We are sick and tired of it, and we, as a community, that means all of us have to be sick and tired enough that we step up and do something, said Arneta Holloman, director of Milwaukee's Office of Violence Prevention. This incident comes as the city has been experiencing rising crime since 2021, presenting the highest number of homicides for any year on record. Autopsies for the six victims are scheduled for Monday, and authorities are expected to provide an update for the community in the coming days. So, we'll keep an eye out on their update, <coughs> or an eye out for their update, and our uh, condolences go out to the families and friends, and the terrible, terrible incident. Hopefully, things get better. But, as I always say, you guys know, stay safe, take care of yourselves, 
Yeah. Yeah. Next, Vice President Kamala Harris traveled to Southern California. During a press conference in San Bernardino Friday, Harris spoke about federal relief for wildfire recovery efforts. In typical fashion, she shared her personal experiences and how she dealt with wildfires as well as droughts in her childhood before pandering to firefighters. <clears throat> All right. The extraordinary courage of these firefighters is the kind of courage that includes them fighting fires while they are aware that their own home may be burning, she stated. I've met firefighters who are fighting fires while their home was burning. This comes as Harris was supported or has supported coronavirus vaccine mandates for first responders, which for many firefighters has threatened to end their careers. This fact that was glossed over with an uh, announcement of federal funding for the state. <coughs> so today we are announcing, as the secretary mentioned, $48 million for, uh, for an approach to the country that is really about making forests healthier and safer. Safer. Kamala announced, and it is focused on what we need to do to be resilient to wildfires and to deal with what we can do to support communities in terms of their resilience. While tens of millions of dollars are going to uh, fire prevention, Northern California congressional members have, state, or have said that there's a delay from the federal government for the wildfire victims to get their financial claims because of issues uh, deciphering tax codes. Harris was also joined by Democrat Governor Gavin Newsom, who politicized environmental issues by comparing his experiences with the Trump and Biden administration. It was a different place when we were battling it out with the White House that was cutting budgets, reducing investments in forest and vegetation management that was quite intent on having a public debate, a national debate, said Newsom. And I don't mean this as a pejorative I mean this quite sincerely around raking, finger pointing, not, you know, holding up the burden of responsibility. Harris will reportedly visit Los Angeles before traveling to Milwaukee, Wisconsin on Monday. Yet, while she has the time to fly zigzag across the country, the so-called border czar failed to visit border roughly 100 miles away. GOP lawmakers have been critical on Harris. Uh, Harris's unwillingness to address the uh, unprecedented flow of illegal allowing illegals allowing more than two million immigrants to breach the U.S. border in 2021. Next, <coughs> officials for the Baltimore City uh, Fire Department provided an update after three of its members were killed, with another left fighting for his life after a building partially collapsed on them while battling a fire. In a press conference Monday, Baltimore Fire Chief Niles Ford tra tragically confirmed the passing of three of his firefighters, Lieutenant Paul Butram, Kelsey Sadler, and Kenny Macayo. Chief Ford said the, fighter, the firefighters responded to a two-alarm fire in a three-story vacant uh, row home early Monday morning. As they were inside battling the blaze, the building partially collapsed and trapped all four members inside. Rescue efforts were continued until we were able to remove the other three firefighters, explained Chief Ford. Once removed, two of the firefighters were transported to shock trauma, where they were pronounced deceased a short time later. The fourth firefighter was pronounced deceased at the scene. <coughs> Sorry. Additionally, Dr. Thomas Scalia, 
of Maryland shock trauma said John McCaster remains in the hospital where he is listed in serious but stable condition. Chief Ford stressed he needs everyone to take care of each other, pray and look out for one another as well as their families. He added Baltimore lost three heroes but some lost family members. Our firefighters see each other like families so they lost a family member, he stated. So my goal today is to make sure that they heal and turn inward and we all take care of each other. Currently there's <coughs> sorry. <coughs> Currently there is no word on the cause of the fire, which remains under investigation. Hopefully the uh the young man pulls through. Uh it's uh, it's hard to see, you know, people that count on to defend you against uh stuff like that. It's hard to see their lose their lives to it but you know part of the job and not everybody can do it so make sure you thank them and their families for what they sacrificed and uh, our hearts go out to the ones who lost the firefighters and uh, hopefully the other one pulls through but like I always say stay safe out there Keep an eye out. Don't uh, don't take any unwarranted risks. Next, senators from both sides of the aisle discussed the developing situation between Russia and Ukraine. During a bipartisan Zoom meeting Monday, eight senators formulated a bill to level financial disincentives. Disincentives, there we go, against Russia in the case it invades Ukraine. Foreign Relations Committee Chair Senator Bob uh, Menendez called the legislation the mother of all sanctions. I want to be crystal clear to those listening to this hearing in Moscow, uh, Kyiv, Kyiv, and other capitals around the world. <coughs> A Russian invasion will trigger devastating economic sanctions. The likes of which we have never seen before, Menendez stated. Putin doesn't get to re redraw the map of Europe. Europeans should be thinking about that. He doesn't get to bully the people of an independent nation into submission. <clears throat> the senator continued by noting that though Putin may dictate the current course of events in his country, he has no right to uh, tyrannize Ukraine at his disposal. Menendez stressed that Ukrainians won't stand for it and neither should the U.S. Let me be clear, these are not run-of-the-mill sanctions, said the committee chairman. What is being discussed is at the maximum end of that spectrum, or, or as I have called it, the mother of all sanctions. And I hope that we can come together in a bipartisan way, find a legislative path forward soon so that we can achieve that. <laughs> Many Republicans favored preemptive sanctions to be enacted while Democrats wished to, to only issue penalties in the case of an invasion. The senators hope to reach an agreement by the end of the week. Meanwhile, U.S. Secretary of State... <coughs> Goodness, I'm so sorry. <clears throat> Meanwhile, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken joined a meeting of EU foreign ministers... Uh, ministers amid the ongoing speculation of a possible Russian invasion. During a video call on Monday, Blinken told the EU 
the U.S. is committed to a diplomatic solution of tensions in Ukraine. He added, it's unclear if Russia should stop its efforts to rebuild the Soviet <coughs> Empire. <coughs> Good lord. <coughs> For their part, EU diplomats reaffirmed their commitment to security and territorial integrity of Ukraine. The EU also said it's considering a financial aid package of $1.4 billion for Ukraine, which it says, which it says may help defuse tensions. This package will help Ukraine now to address its financial needs due to the conflict, explained European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. Uh, we count on the Council and the <coughs> European Parliament to adopt this emergency uh, mac macro financial assistance as soon as possible. We will then proceed to the rapid disbursement of the first tranche uh, of 6 million euros. Uh, Secretary Blinken also briefed his EU counterparts on last week's talks with Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov as bilateral discussions between the US and Russia have yet to produce tangible results. We will definitely keep you up to date on what's going on there because that could affect a lot. So definitely going to be keeping a big eye out for that one. Next. The State Department called for the immediate and unconditional release of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. On Tuesday, spokesman Ned Price called the decision to add Navalny and eight others to a terrorist list disturbing. He said that it underscores the collapse of independent civil society of independent civil society in Russia. <clears throat> According to Price, designation is supposed to target one of the last remaining independent groups still operating in the country. He said that Russians, like all people, should have a right to gather and inform, uh, inform organizations. We urge Russia to cease the abuse of extremism, designations to target nonviolent organizations, and, and to end its repression of Mr. Navalny and his supporters and honor its intentional obligations to honor human rights and fundamental freedoms, stated the spokesman. Price also declared that Russia, that every Russian deserves a right to speak freely as well as deserves free and fair elections. Next, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has vowed to fight back against the Biden administration after authorization was revoked for two antibody coronavirus treatments. The Republicans slammed the decision at a press conference Tuesday, as federal regulators pulled Regeneration, or, sorry, Regeneron and Eli Lilly treatments on Monday, due to their decision, the Florida Department of Health announced it would be closing all of its monoclonal antibody treatment sites until further notice. Early this morning, thousands of Floridians woke up to the news that their appointments to get treatment for COVID-19 infections were canceled by the Biden administration which revoked, outright revoked, authorization for two very popular monoclonal antibody treatments that the state of Florida really pioneered over the summer, explained the governor, and that we've worked hard to make available to our residents who need treatment. The Food and Drug Administration said the decision was due to the treatment being highly unlikely to be active against the Omicron variant. However, DeSantis said the drug is still effective and that he believes there's a difference. Uh, there's a different reason behind the decision. They had months and months and months to stockpile this, and they chose not to do it. He stated, 
So I think part of it is, I think there's politics involved. I just think they don't have enough treatments to go around, and I think they realize that. And I think it would look very bad to be able to admit that. So instead, they're saying this is revoked. <coughs> the Florida governor said they are going above and beyond to deny people access. Meanwhile, the FDA said the drugs could be reauthorized for use if they prove they prove to be effective against future variants. Uh, we're going to fight back against this because this is just wrong, said DeSantis. This is not the way that you help people, and our view is people have the right, have a right to access these treatments, and to revoke it on this basis is just fundamentally wrong, and we're going to fight back. Next, uh, the Supreme Court <coughs> of Alaska upheld a new election system after an unsuccessful attempt to block it. The new system eliminates the need for party primaries and replaces them with one single primary in which all candidates will appear on a ballot regardless of part of uh, party affiliation. State will then select the winner of the general election through ranked choice voting. <coughs> First of all, it repealed Alaska's closed political primaries where we had a Democratic and Republican primary and created one primary election where all the candidates appear and every voter gets that ballot, explained Scott Kendall, a lawyer and author of Changes. You choose your favorite, and then the top four finishers or for each office move on to the general election, and then the general election, the election is concluded via what we call ranked choice voting. <coughs> In a ranked choice voting system, voters will rank the candidates by preference, on their ballots with the candidate who receives a majority of the first preference votes being declared the winner. If none of the candidates win a majority of the first preference votes, the one with the lowest percentage will be eliminated with the voting starting over. This cycle will repeat until a candidate wins an outright majority. <clears throat> Despite being upheld by the Alaskan Supreme Court last week, the new system has been met with mixed reactions. Bob Byrd, the chairman of the Alaskan Independence Party, is among the critics of ranked choice voting. First of all, the mistake we make is that to allow the state to pay for and conduct the primaries, he stated, primaries should be a private event. Supporters of the new system claim that it prevents the two majority political parties from acting as gatekeepers and giving independent politicians a chance to win. Chief among those who support the new system is Fair Vote CEO Rob Rishi. Uh, this nonpartisan organization is dedicated to election reform. From our perspective, ranked choice voting as an important <coughs> ranked choice voting as an important piece of that reform is this change that I think is the fastest growing reform in the country. Working in both red and blue states, and I think does great things for voters, said uh, Rob Ritchie. <coughs> Ranked choice voting is still experimental in the state, which many critics, uh, with many critics warning that it won't work as voters intend. Alaska will be using the new system in its upcoming primary election. So that sounds very interesting. Uh, definitely something new. We'll definitely keep an eye out for that, see if maybe it starts to pick up. Who knows, that might be how we vote from now on, if it takes off, but we will definitely keep an eye out of that, because that sounds very, uh, I don't know, new, so we'll see what happens.
Anyway, on to the next. Hello, my fellow Americans. It's me, JWR, just chiming in to tell you about our new merch line. If you go to redbubble.com and look up America First Podcast, you'll find multiple items with our logo on it. Any and all purchases will go to bettering the podcast and to some charities. But uh, yeah, just check it out. We got shirts, bags, stickers, pins, cups. But uh, anyway, again, this has been JWR from America First. And thanks for tuning in. And thank you for your support. Justice Stephen, St- Justice Stephen Breyer officially announced his retirement alongside Joe Biden in an event at the White House uh, Thursday. He's standing next to Joe, but Joe Biden didn't announce his retirement. Make that part clear. Uh, in an event at the White House Thursday, <coughs> the pair discussed his retirement from the Supreme Court at the end of the current term. Among Breyer's most notable opinions from the bre- uh, the bench include supporting expansion of abortion and upholding the Affordable Care Act. After nearly three decades of service on the nation's highest court, Breyer is stepping away. The 83-year-old's decision gives Biden the opportunity to make his first appointments to the court. Biden said he will keep his campaign pledge to nominate the first black woman to the Supreme Court. (coughs) Biden said the process for Breyer's replacement will be rigorous and he expects to make his decision public by the end of February. The Democrat is said to already have a short list of potential nominees with Judge uh, Katanji Brown Jackson appearing to be the front runner. Breyer was first appointed to the court in 1994 by President Bill Clinton. He secured confirmation within the Democrat-controlled Senate by an 87-9 vote. Experts say the timing of Breyer's resignation will give Joe Biden the opportunity to replace him while Democrats still control the Senate. <coughs> and just as Breyer didn't retire last term and is deciding to retire now while the Democrats still have control of the Senate, said Mark Sherman, a Supreme Court reporter for the Associated Press. I think that's the key point that Biden should be able to name his successor without too much trouble. Meanwhile, the White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki uh, faced repeated questions about whether or not Kamala Harris would replace retiring left-wing Breyer. A number of reporters asked Saki Wednesday who Biden may consider as Breyer's replacement. Some reporters speculate Harris may be seeking the role as well amid a low approval rating and being reportedly dissatisfied with her role at the White House. The president has every intention, as he said before, of running for re-election and for running for re-election with Vice President Harris on the ticket as his partner, Saki told the press. <clears throat> but again, I will just reiterate that I have nothing more to offer in terms of specifics or information on the reports this morning. Secretary Psaki only confirmed Biden plans to run for re-election with Harris on the ticket. We will keep an eye out on that uh, and let you know. And we will, uh, hopefully we'll know by the end of February who will take his place. <laughs> anyway, next. Texas leadership said the state is stepping up where the current administration has failed. 
Governor Greg Abbott slammed Joe Biden during a border security briefing with 12 attorneys general, uh, with 12 attorneys generals in well West Laco, Texas, on Thursday. He emphasized the importance for Texas to collaborate with other states in order to secure the border, since Biden isn't doing it. The governor added he signed laws that provide $3 billion in funding for Texas border security efforts while also signing nine laws that crack down on human trafficking. Additionally, Abbott proposed an action item to crack down on social media outlets that facilitate human trafficking. Cartels in Mexico are using TikTok to advertise, uh, to, advertise to recruit smugglers in Texas, he stated. San Antonio, Houston, and other cities in Texas and maybe in some other states who advertise for smugglers for pay for them to smuggle people here in Texas, which would include victims of human trafficking that must be shut down. Abbott also signed a law enhancing penalties for the manufacturing and distribution of fentanyl. Public Safety Director Stephen McGraw uh, went on to emphasize why Border Patrol is overwhelmed. <coughs> We've had influxes before, but never to this level, he explained. We've never had over 1.3 million apprehensions in Texas in a calendar year. Never before Border Patrol is swamped. Not only that, they've got families, family units and unaccompanied children, but their facilities are not to be able are not to be able to handle that. McCraw said in order to secure the border, the state needs infrastructure. You have to have good infrastructure, you have to have detention technology, detection technology, sorry, and you have to have boots on the ground, he stated. Plain and simple, and you can't secure it from Washington. Meanwhile, lawmakers are blasting the Biden administration for continuing to allow the influx of migrants, saying the White House must reverse course and put the safety of the American people first. Next. Domestic monetary policy actions may do little to tame some of the inflation being driven by global supply chain pressures, researchers for the New York Federal Reserve said in a paper on Friday. Much of the persistently high inflation seen during the coronavirus pandemic, including in pro uh, producer price and goods inflation, is highly linked to global supply chain disruptions, researchers said in a new blog post. <coughs> The global nature and their source, that is, uh, that is supply as op opposed to demand, suggests that domestic monetary policy actions would have only a limited effect on these sources of inflationary, inflationary, inflationary pressures. There we go. The researchers wrote, inflationary pressures could ease if the supply chain bottlenecks and higher energy costs seen during the pandemic come down. Researchers said pointing to some of the unknown policymakers will have to navigate as they work to keep higher inflation from becoming entrenched. U.S. central bank officials signaled this week that they are likely to raise interest rates starting in March to remove the extraordinary support provided during the pandemic. But Fed, uh, Federal Chair Jerome Powell offered little guidance on the, piece, on the pace of future rate increases. That outlook may remain clouded as officials wait to see how inflation and the pandemic and the overall economy react to in the coming months. 
Friday's blog post incorporates a new index released earlier this month by the New York Federal, uh, which found that global supply chain pressures are near historically high levels, but may have peaked the index, which is based on global shipping rates, air freight costs, and other variables, dipped slightly in November and December. We will definitely keep eyes on that and let you guys know. Hopefully, interest rates and stuff don't go up or get raised or whatever. That would uh, definitely be a bad deal. Um, yeah, so we will keep you up to date on that. But uh, that's all we have this week. I know it wasn't much, but it's all really nothing too much going on. Uh, anyway. Thank you for listening on today's episode. Be sure to check out previous episodes to stay up to date and follow us on Twitter at capital S, lowercase c-m-b-a-g, capital N. Any and all profits, including sponsor revenue and viewer donated revenue, will be donated to the Series Fund Network for Disabled Kids. So if you do decide to donate to us, you know where your money is going. But until the next time, America, I've been your host, JWR. And remember, stay informed, stay involved, and keep America first.